humans are amazing. I mean, there's so much beauty in humanity. We often hear narratives that are sort of highlighting all the horrible things that are going on in our world. And as we know, we are powerful creators and where we put our attention is what expands. And I think that there's wisdom and power and intelligence in highlighting the beauty of humanity because there's a lot more beauty than what is considered. And I think it's human tendency to feel justified pointing out everything that's wrong. And so um, I just think we're all alive in a body. Hopefully, if you're listening to this podcast and you're breathing, you have the privilege of being alive, the privilege of being connected to this podcast, and just to highlight the beauty of humanity and how all of us have something so meaningful to bring and offer and share. Yeah. Wealth is the company you keep. Podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome to the podcast. We have an amazing show on tap for you, but first. Hey, everybody, like me, Inside Tracker wants to help you start the new year right. So they're thrilled to help support the Living Proof Challenge, the no cost, science based habit building program designed by my well being wizard brother, Simon Hill, to specifically up level the most important biomarkers that drive health span, that drive disease prevention, physical fitness, and mental well-being, courtesy of a doable, evidence-based 12-week program elaborated upon in length in my conversation with Simon that dropped January 1. That's RRP804. If you listen to that episode, then you know the program entails comprehensive blood testing at both the commencement and conclusion of the challenge, and nobody handles blood testing better than Inside Tracker, who are graciously encouraging everyone to join the No Cost Challenge by offering a 25% off discount on Inside Tracker tests. To unlock the discount and learn more about this challenge, visit theproof.com/livingproof. We're brought to you today by Birch. If you're serious about optimizing your sleep, listen up. I've spent countless hours researching and testing various methods to improve my nightly shut-eye, and I can confidently say that it all starts with a good foundation. And if your bed is old, if it's uncomfortable, lumpy, then your sleep inevitably is going to be impacted. So it's important to invest in a quality mattress, one that's insanely comfortable, that's organic, sustainably made, and that, my friends, is a birch mattress. Fairtrade and Rainforest Alliance certified with the finest quality organic natural materials like organic Fairtrade cotton. Birch mattresses are made with none of the toxic chemicals and off-gassing produced by most major brands. Kind of important not to be breathing that for a third of your life, I'd say. Plus, it's super luxurious. I've been sleeping on Birch for about five years, and I'd say it's the perfect ratio of soft to supportive And the craftsmanship is just next level. I've got one in every room of my house. I love it. Pretty sure you will too. And right now, Birch is giving 20% off all mattresses and two free EcoRest pillows at birchliving.com slash richroll. That's 20% off and two free EcoRest pillows. Sleep better with Birch. 
Meditation has been a recurring theme on this podcast, dating back to its beginnings. And in conversation always leads people to asking me about the best way to begin. There are no shortage of modalities of resources and apps available. I have experience with many of them, but my mainstay, I have to say, the one that I have found most useful is waking up. It's this unique treasure trove of wisdom that has become so important to my daily routine that the app finds itself right in the dock of my phone for immediate fingertip access. Beyond its robust catalog of daily meditations, it's also this extraordinary library of mindfulness resources that go well beyond the strictures of meditation with courses on stoicism, cognitive behavioral therapy, time management, procrastination, as well as thoughtful conversations with leading scholars on everything from psychedelics to happiness. It really is one of the most worthy investments you can make in yourself. And listeners of the show can get 30 days to try waking up for free. Plus, you'll save $30 on the in-app price. If price is a concern, Waking Up offers the app for free, astonishingly for anyone who can't afford it. You can find the links on their website to get a full scholarship right now. Just go to wakingup.com slash richroll to start your free month today. That's wakingup.com slash richroll. Okay, Julie is back. So here we go. Greetings, Podcast Landia. Proud to let you guys know that we are back with the beautiful, the wise, the erudite Julie Pyatt Srimati, spiritualist, expert, vegan, cheese, empresario, entrepreneur, culinary genius, best selling cookbook author, community leader, podcaster, musician, mother arc, and my partner, not in crime, but in all things. How are you? Aw, thanks, Ritual. I'm great. Thanks. Did I for, cover the list? I just I'm in awe in your poetry and your ability to express me in new and expanded ways. Oh, continue. <laughs> continue <laughs> with you. that thought. It's so beautiful. Thank when you. When was so the last much. time you were on? I don't know. It's been a it's been a, it's been it's a while. It's been a minute, right? Yeah, it's and about actually time. the studio's kind of come around a little bit more since you were last here. It's I incredible. Think. This so. is just such an amazing experience. I'm so I feel so blessed and excited. It's very cool. Well, you kicked this whole thing off with episode one back in that cavernous warehouse in Kauai. It's come a long way since then. But in most respects, in the most important respects, I think the show has maintained the sensibility that um, we initiated back then. And I'm happy to have you back to continue the conversation that started on this show in the fall of 2012. So we're actually like just weeks away from the nine year anniversary of this whole affair. That's crazy. I was crazy. remembering that this morning cause it's a rainy day finally in Southern California. And I was wondering how long it's been. So nine years. Yeah. We started it in November. I don't remember the exact date. I think it was like mid-November. I think of island fever had set in about <laughs> yeah. week three. I was starting to get <laughs> itchy and antsy and feeling disconnected from people and the universe and scratched the itch to try this thing out, 
without any sense of where it would go. And here we are. That's amazing. It really is, is amazing. I think it's also really profound that the spiritual energy of Kauai is within this podcast. It is the energy that created or, or participated in the manifestation as did all of the food journey as well. Mm-hmm. So we were landlocked without really friends. We weren't really welcomed in Kauai by the community. And we found ourselves sort of um, staying in our, our three 30 foot yurts and I had a test kitchen and then I just started creating food. And that's most of the recipes in the plant power way. Right. And then you were like, I'm gonna go crazy. We're, we're, we're starting a podcast. Yeah, <laughs> you well, I, I know. I mean, shout out to Chris Jabe who invited us to uh, live on his incredible property, yes, Common Ground. He's since sold that property, but um, we were living, we've told the story many times, so I don't wanna linger too long on it. But for those of you that are a little bit newer, um, we lived on this uh, extraordinary property on the North shore of Kauai. It had been a mango farm and Chris who owned it was looking to figure out how to leverage this extraordinary place for broader purposes. And for some reason, he thought that we could be helpful in that regard. Thank God he did. It was the first time. (laughs) We were so broke at the time. He threw us a lifeline. He's like, come out to Kauai and live with me and we'll hang out and try to figure out what to do here. And we were like, okay. And before we knew it, like in a very short period of time, we had essentially relocated thinking that we were gonna lose our house because we couldn't pay our bills. And he kept us afloat and that became the crucible, like the incubator for so many beautiful things. Yeah, and so really Chris J. Yeah, Chris. Chris J was very instrumental in the direction, Unbelie- it's the always, trajectory yeah, of our lives. It's, it's unbelievable what an influence he had in ways that I'm sure he can barely appreciate in terms of being a catalyst for everything that we've birthed. And I think the lesson in there is that you never know, like there are people will come into your life and gently kind of nudge you in one direction or the other that then over time, uh, it only becomes evident like in the rear view mirror, like what an impact those people have. And I think we're all visited with some form or another of individuals like that. Makes a profound impact, but I think it's related to, I just wanna tell a little bit more about that story because it's very relevant to how I'm interacting with the creation of food right now. And uh, we, at the point in time that Chris came into our lives, um, our house had been um, put in foreclosure and I, and I was sort of out of my ability to stall anymore. And I was very devastated, came home and told all you guys, we were always like, we're gonna lose the house and like 30 days is gonna be gone. So I came home and I was just, I had one of those moments of feeling sort of lost and disconnected from spirituality and God and like, how could this be happening? And I remember, uh, Saul David Ray, who's an amazing uh, yoga teacher in the LA area, he reached out and he was, he hired me. He said, Srimati, will you cook for my Thai yoga retreat? And he said, you know, I can pay you pretty well. And so I remember leaving and I just told you, I said, there is no way that we are being moved out of this house without 
an opportunity. There's, it's impossible with the amount of heart and presence and how much we had gone through and how bonded we were and committed to really serving our heart. And so I remember going up there just feeling completely in a state of, I don't know, like I just, I don't know anything. Like if this is happening, I just, I was doubting all of my instincts. And, um, and so I just decided to literally put all of my energy into preparing food for this Thai yoga retreat. And I, maybe one of the, you know, one of the few times that I was single focused because I do so many things, but I really stepped into this as a sort of seva or service and the food became activated with something that was beyond my ability to create food. And I had you know, people weeping when they were eating my pie and they were leaving Saul's retreat to stay with me in the kitchen. And he was joking with me saying like, what are you doing to my students? Like they just wanna be with you. And so I remember he's, he was very generously said, please invite Rich and the kids up to the final dinner. And I remember you walked in, it was up at, um, uh, Bill's place uh, up in Santa Barbara, um, Casa Barranca. That yeah, was yeah, it. yeah. I remember that. Yeah, very I remember well. that place. It was mm-hmm. like a like a really cool um, sort of uh, Art Deco sort of place. Anyway, um, and you walked in and you said, "Have you read your emails?" And I said, "No." And you said, "Go read your email right now." And I went and read my email, and Chris Jabe had replied to an email that I had sent him two years prior. And he said, I wanna to speak to, to you and Rich. I'm halfway through the book and, and we wanna meet. And 10 days later, he was sitting in our living room having a meeting with all of us. So it was a very sort of profound demonstration about how when you step into to devotion at that level um, and abandon your personalities, ideas and trajectories, just how beautiful um, life can. Yeah, there's uh, there's many layers to this idea of surrender, right? So one of the lines in Finding Ultra is that when your heart is true, the universe will conspire to support you. And I believe that and I've seen that play out in so many people's lives. And I felt like when I put Finding Ultra out that my heart was true and the universe would conspire to somehow figure out a way to support us in this you know, mission and nothing was happening, right? The phone was not ringing. There was no money coming in. We were unable to pay our bills. And when Saul called you, it was like, yes, I will do that. Like I'll do anything. And when Chris said, come out to Kauai, we said, yes, we had no other options, but also it was like, okay, we're just giving ourselves over to wherever and however we're being directed. And I just remember moving into those yurts on this farm and thinking like, we may never see our house again. And perhaps we're just gonna be living in these yurts now. You know, like, <laughs> like that's it. Like we're now we live in Kauai, you know, I don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow. Like this sense of completely letting go of any idea or attachment to, you know, your sense of expectations or outcomes. But it is, in, that is a practice of devotion in and of itself, right? We could have never known that that would be a trigger point to lead us in these other directions. And certainly I would have preferred the timeline to look differently. And I had no, like, it wasn't my, it wasn't my plan. I don't know about you that we were gonna go live in yurts. Like I had a whole other agenda and idea of how this would play out, but the letting go, which feels like a giving up is, is really uh, an act of strength 
And mm-hmm. so reframing how you approach setbacks and obstacles um, is I think a really instructive lesson that helps me even now when we face obstacles or things aren't going the way that we would like to just be like present with what is happening and and detached from the direction that it's leading you because you simply do not know. Yeah, and when the the adversity or the constriction, it's like you felt you were going crazy. You were like, I got to get off this island. I'm gonna go crazy. Like, well, first I of all, it. let me just say, like, it's beautiful, and I love. There's a lot of great. Like, I don't want to be like panning Kauai, but we it love was, Kauai. It was challenging. Mm-hmm. Yes, because we were we were far away from our friends. We were in a new place it is difficult, like it, there's a big difference between visiting Hawaii on vacation and living there. Complete. And there's a very heightened energy that exists on the North shore of Kauai. Yeah. And I think it is fair to say that it's not exactly the most welcoming place in that the people that live there are very protective of it and protective of their kind of respective fiefdoms. And there does tend to be a little bit of a zero sum perspective, like this is my thing, you're over here, just so you know, like, it was different, right? Yeah. And I think you have to pay your dues and you have to really establish like we're here for the long term and we mean business. And I think we were coming from a place of relative uncertainty, but also with open hearts. And so it was like, hey, how come like it's so hard to make friends? Oh, it here? was it, it was yeah. completely different than yeah. I imagined because Kauai is is probably my dearest spiritual point on the planet. I've had you know, miraculous experiences on on the beaches there and Secret Beach and and been there like seven or eight times. Um, so I thought it was gonna be shelter. I thought it was gonna be this embrace, this loving embrace. And the land did lovingly embrace us. It's just the community didn't. So yeah. it just was different. But, but what it made I was, us go, it turned, it, it was great because it forced us to turn inward and focus on the things that we can control and what we can create. So you went into this, there was one yurt that was a huge kitchen and you went in there and just said, I'm gonna make recipes. Mm-hmm. And of course that led to the Plant Power Way and the Plant Power Way Italia, you know, ultimately after mm-hmm. that. And also this cheese is nuts and Shrimu, which we have in front of us right here <laughs> that we're gonna talk about. It all started there. And the podcast was a response to me feeling disconnected mm-hmm. and feeling like, I needed another creative project to invest my time and energy in. So that's what happened. That's right. And so in the constriction, if you uh, become present and engage in the present moment of what's in front of you, um, the constriction ends up not being the negative thing that you thought at the start, but it's in fact the alchemy or the friction that's needed to produce the expansion. Yeah. That's the lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get too deep into this, I do have an announcement that I want to make. Um, this past year, I think it's fair to say, has been a challenging year for everybody, more so for some than, than others, but also uh, a magical year for this show, for myself, for our family. Um, I've had some amazing guests on the podcast. I've gleaned a plethora of critical, important lessons from those conversations. But at the core, this show, the focus of this show is and has always been how to best serve you. And by you, I mean the listener, the audience, how it benefits you, orientates you, meets your needs, how it inspires you to reframe your vision of family, of work, of sense of self, and how it can act as 
an agent of change in your own personal evolution. So with that, we had this idea here, my team, everybody at the studio to explore a bit of an experiment with you guys, the listeners, if you are willing to participate. And what that means is I'd like you to consider sharing with me your personal journey of transformation, how the podcast and its myriad of guests has inspired you, what you've learned, what you've practiced, what you've implemented or shared with others along the way. And my team and I will then take all of that and compile a portion of those submissions into a special future episode that we wanna create. And the origin of this idea is really just the absolutely mind bending quantity of emails that we receive every single day. You guys, the listeners have been writing in to share your many empowering tales of perseverance through adversity and new beginnings and sobriety and stepping into new identities, all the successes, the losses, the tears, the triumphs, the heartfelt stories of real life epiphanies and and transformations. And I think there's something really potent and important about your journey that others can benefit from hearing. So the idea is that learning is a communal act. It doesn't happen in isolation. And this podcast is really a conduit to that. So I'd like to share stories like yours with other listeners. If you guys are willing to call in and leave a voice message about your journey of transformation, because we wanna know about it. So to do that, if you're up for it, and I'd love it if you would indulge me, leave a voicemail at 805-421-0057 and just share your story. It can be as long as you want, as well as the wisdom that you've gleaned along the way from the show, what you've built into your life from it. And I think your message could very well be aired in, a, in this future episode that we're working on again. So the number is 805-421-0057. And I look forward to hearing from all you guys. What do you think of that idea? I just absolutely love that. It's gonna be extraordinary. Mm-hmm. So can't wait for that. Yeah, because humans are amazing, <laughs> That's right? right? Which is one of the things that we wanted to talk about today. Yeah, we wanted to just say very plainly, humans are amazing. Is that it? (laughs) (laughs) Expound. No, just because um, I really feel and you really feel, I mean, there's so much beauty in humanity. I mean, humans are just, you know, they're all individual and unique and resilient and creative and courageous and empathic and loving and feeling and, Um, You know, we often hear narratives that are tearing down the negative or sort of highlighting all the horrible things that are going on in our world. And as we know, we are powerful creators and where we put our attention is what expands. And so um, I feel that, you know, through this, this timeout that we've all gone through in the last couple of years, uh, we've even come to appreciate our friends and our community even deeper, not only our our close friends, but also our extended communities, um, even on social media or through the podcast or through different mentorship groups or, or the Shrimu community. And um, I think that there's wisdom and power and intelligence in highlighting the beauty of humanity because there's a lot more beauty 
than what um, is brought up for uh, for review or you know to be considered. Um, and I think it's human, sort of the human um, tendency to uh, feel justified pointing out everything that's wrong. And then there's something within the personality or the ego that feels like, oh, you know, see, I'm right. How wrong is that? And this is so wrong Mm -hmm. and this is so wrong. And so um, I just think it's a wonderful time. We're all alive in a body. Hopefully if you're listening to this podcast and you're breathing, you have the privilege of being alive, the privilege of being connected to this podcast. And um, just to highlight the the beauty of humanity and how all of us have something so meaningful to bring and offer and share. Yeah. Wealth is the company you keep and humans are amazing. And I think right now, if you're watching the news or you're scrolling on social media, you get the distinct impression that we are extraordinarily polarized, that there is this breakdown in our ability to communicate in a healthy way. There is this division that's being exacerbated by various narratives out there. And we're rewarded for sharing our angst and our disagreement and for tearing people down rather than trying to rise each other up. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that, that you know, all of those things aren't true and they don't exist because that is part and parcel of our culture right now, which makes it confusing, I think. But in my experience, when I'm out in the world or when I travel or I'm walking down the street or I call a friend, these are not the experiences that I'm having one-on-one or when I greet people, like I am nourished by being in the world and sharing honestly with the people that I'm close with and meeting new people. Like there's such a gap between my lived experience and my digital experience. (laughs) And I think it's a reminder to tip that scale a little bit and try to live your life a little bit more analog. And I'm really, you know, connecting with this in a bit of a more profound way than I have historically. And I think that's a, a result of the pandemic on some level and being forced to isolate for so long. And now that, you know, we're able to kind of be in the world a little bit more than we were, you know, six or eight or 12 months ago, um, I'm just much more appreciative of those interpersonal, rea- uh, you know, interactions and relationships that I have than than I than perhaps I was prior to the pandemic. I've always been somebody who, you know, is fine being alone. I like the silence. I need that, you know, um, quietude to to recharge and and never really appreciated how important being with other people is. And I went into the pandemic thinking I'm gonna be fine. And ultimately like so many um, ended up profoundly kind of lonely, you know, in that isolation. And so now that we can kind of be in the world a little bit more, I've made this commitment to myself to really engage my friendships a little bit better than I have in the past. And to say yes to things that ordinarily I might you know, say no to or shun off because I have my way of doing things like with training, like I like to train alone and like, I don't really like wanna go with anyone else. But now I'm saying yes to communal group kind of training activities. I've been going to Laird and Gabby's house and doing the pool workout, um, which isn't really, you know, sort of traditionally part of the way that I approach my physical routine or my training, but I've been so nourished just by 
doing physical things with other people. And it's just made me a happier person Definitely. to do that. And yeah. I think turning 55 is like my birthday the past Happy week. Um, thank you. Have a few thoughts on that. Please um, share. Some of which I shared uh, on Instagram the other day. I mean, mainly gratitude, you know, I mean, we talked earlier about kind of a little bit about the arc that we've been on. I mean, now we're in this very privileged place where I get to wake up every day and essentially do things that excite me. I never thought that my life would look like this and yet here we are. So I'm profoundly grateful to be able to, you know, have this vocation um, and to indulge like my curiosity and to be able to share space and time with people that inspire me in so many ways and to leverage that for my own personal learning and then share it with the world. I mean, it's like the greatest thing ever. And as I shared on Instagram last week, like if this is it, people always say to me like, what, you know, what's next or what are you building or what's the vision or what's the dream? And you know, I have ambitions. And as I said on Instagram, there are roads that are still untraveled and things that I wanna express and do. But if it's never more than this, like it's good. And if I was to not wake up tomorrow morning, like it's a life well lived. Mm. So I feel very grateful. Um, but I also want to invest more deeply in my friendships. You know, I think that's something that I've overlooked in the past and something I wanna pay more attention to mm. because wealth is the company you keep. And I've been doing that and it's been great. And I feel like I'm in a much better place than I was last year at this mm. time. So I feel good. It's beautiful to see. Hmm. What else about humans being amazing? <laughs> um, I mean, I think one of, the, one of the great opportunities that we have is to uh, exercise the will to connect in the face of forced separation. When you see, agendas that are operating in the in in our world that are seeking to separate we have a choice we can um find a neutrality and understanding that everything in life is sacred everything comes from divine even the things that you consider dark or the things that you don't agree with and if we can sort of relax into that direct connection with our own source consciousness we can stop comparing and trying to analyze a situation into an intellectual place where we feel safe with it. And so the work is, is, is in the face of separation, can we be neutral and open and in awe and wonder and just allow all things? And it's more of a not this or that or either or, it's about a yes and. Both things can be true in certain, from a certain perspective. And life is full of billions of, of different kinds of uh, life forms that are completely unique. So how could one opinion or one lens know that it is the way for all things at all times? Um, I think it's just the fear of the personality that wants to create a box that gives some certainty. And I think 
many of us know and realize now there is no certainty. And there, there really wasn't ever certainty in that way, but we had things sort of in a place where we could be in that illusion. So it really is what you and I just described is in the constriction, coming into the present moment, activating neutrality, understanding that everything comes from a sacred place. It is all part of the play and we can um, find a way uh, in into transformation by going into the separation rather than running away from it or turning away from it we can have the courage to go into the experience with that neutrality and if we're lucky we're probably going to learn something or expand or soften or experience something that maybe we never imagined mm-hmm. This has always been true, but everything feels so heightened right now and the stakes are high and people are on edge and practicing what you just spoke of becomes much more challenging. We're all very easily triggered and we all have our cognitive biases and our respective worldviews. And this has been a challenge for me. I mean, you mentioned like resisting the impulse to default to your intellectualization of an issue based on you know past experiences or history. And I find myself doing that. And we've had many conversations about that. Like how can I approach dissonance from a perspective of openness and empathy? And it requires a lot. Like it is a very challenging practice to apply in real world scenarios. That is true. And that is what is being asked of us right now mm-hmm. because there, it's not letting up, like we are transforming. It's not going back to the way it was. And so we are being required to expand our ability and to um, do more than what we normally would do. And many of these patterns are just defaults. It's not even the real you that's doing it. It's just a pattern of, of sort of a habit in a way. And so you can choose a different habit. You can choose a different um, a different act, a different emotion, a different state of being. And, um, you know, to just, it always sort of is surprising to me with this, with the way that we are in our humanity, you know, full of amazing things and full of faults or things that, you know, sort of uh, are, are not as expanded. And how does one person feel so justified judging another system? Like so absolutely. I mean, the more we know when we explore spirituality and the nature of life, the more we know we don't know. So can we be in a state of not knowing and be okay with it and then activate the natural deep human connection of unconditional love? just love and allowing all things mm. and understanding like much in our experience of our relationship, you know, when you were eating, you know, in an out burger and in Starbucks with, you know, three ad shots in it, um, that catalytic point where I just realized that I had no right to impose my idea of your life into your experience. Even though from a perspective, you were less healthy, you were struggling, you weren't happy. Still, even in that experience, that's your choice of experience. And this is really the moment that catalyzed this entire play that we're in right now. It was the release of me being attached to how you had to eat or live or be 
in order to be loved or even viewed as an, as an emanation of God consciousness. Yeah. Another piece to that is this idea that you cannot and should not maybe, in, well, should is, is a challenging word, but you really can't save someone from their suffering. And in certain situations you shouldn't because the suffering is the engine for growth ultimately. And that's a tricky um, thing to understand and embrace, particularly when you're a parent. I was just gonna say yeah. that, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Definitely. Like we all wanna save our kids from hardship. Ever, anything. Or anything if you see your child suffering and you just wanna make it go away. And there's a powerlessness to that. But I think that powerlessness is also a reminder that suffering is part of life and it applies to this cultural moment that we're in right now in a profound way in the sense that prior to the pandemic, things kind of went a certain way. And there was a sensibility that we're almost in this post history phase where we're not gonna meet obstacles in our life and things are just gonna continue to go along their merry way. But that's not how life is, and that's not how life has ever been. Like, and it's not about arriving at a place where you're going to be um, liberated from hardship and obstacles. It's about how you develop the wherewithal and the strength and the fortitude and the perspective to be able to roll with all of that and learn from it. Because we're here to have those experiences, to grow, to pass on the wisdom, and ultimately, you know, kind of transcend those past experiences to become more fully formed, you know, integrated, authentic, actualized humans. Yeah, definitely. And I think that the, you know, the want to stop someone from their demise or from something that they're experiencing is also mixing your energy in their life event. And if you understand that, so now that we're parents sort of on the other spectrum and our kids are grown to, you know, pretty much grown up to a certain degree, you know, when they're young, you're creating this life. And I, and I definitely think in this generation, I mean, we have parents who are very engaged, very present, very involved. I mean, people that just really have given their entire, you know, life and, and heart and soul to their children to make sure that they have a, a, a nurturing experience of life. And then what happens is because the human wants the contrast, whatever it is that you provided, you're going to be um, rejected <laughs> and yeah. you know, for what you provided. And that becomes the narrative, you know, that becomes that becomes the constriction, the thing to to push up against. And so if we can remember to you know, when we were going through our, our immense financial collapse, it was really a nine year process, like a year down and then seven in the trenches and then a year out. Um, I just wanted someone to tell me that they trusted me and they believed in me. There are very few people that could hold me in that light. Some very amazing individuals who were like, no, 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 I see you. I see you in your expansion. I see it for you. Um, but what the what we do normally is we we point out everything that's wrong and we focus on the thing that we're worried about and then 
praying or worrying is praying for what you don't want to happen. So you're in fact adding to the burden of that individual by being afraid of that individual's trajectory. And so again, it's not easy, especially challenging as a parent, but we have to remember, or we have the opportunity to remember what about providing a feeling, even if it's silent, even if it's in a prayer or in a ceremony or a moment that you're just like, I trust you. I know you are a divine emanation of this sacred life mm-hmm. and you're in your human experience. And so I'm just gonna hold that for you. And I'm gonna try to remove, you know, any drugs or knives, you know, I mean, there's still another human element yeah. to that, <laughs> yeah. you know, but um, just this ultimate trust of, of really understanding that every human being will have their experience. And, you know, we've shared many times between us and on this show, you know, I mean, it's a lot of what your show is. It's the adversity that catalyzes the trajectory. And oftentimes in life, the, the beings that really have a quite expansive journey have a very um, like extreme spectrum you know, like taking like Charlie Chaplin, like, you know, he was an orphan on the streets and his mom was insane. And look at what that being did in his life. But usually when it's that big of a a trajectory, there's there's an equal dark trajectory or intense trajectory that creates this friction. Mm -hmm. It's challenging for me. I mean, I grew up, you know, you spoke about worry being, you know, a prayer for what you don't want to have happen. Like I grew up in a household where, you know, worry was like very in the forefront <laughs> of, of my upbringing, um, along with, you know, a fair dose of enmeshment and expectations and things like that that have created this, this sort of imprint on me. And, um, and programming that I see myself repeating at times when I'm not mindful and present. And what's so interesting about that is despite all the work that I've done on myself and you know, this tremendous you know, amount of growth that I've experienced through really devoting myself to transcending past experiences, I still find myself repeating these patterns. Like, yes, the contrast, the child, will want to define themselves in opposition to whatever pain point they identify as a childhood trauma that that reared up in their in their in their upbringing by dint of their parents i'm no exception to that you know i was raised in a certain way and i'm like i'm not going to be like that and i'm not going to raise my kids like this and i love my parents it's not about that but um, despite all of that now at 55, I'll find myself saying things that my mother would say or indulging in an emotional landscape that, that is very characteristic of her you know, DNA. And, and, it's in, and it's you who will often say, you're doing that thing again, you know? and it's very unconscious. So the point being like, it doesn't matter how much work you've done, these things are so deeply imprinted on us that it requires like a tremendous amount of awareness and consciousness to catch it when it's happening and to have that moment of pause or repose to kind of course correct when it percolates up. Well, I mean, it's nothing, there's nothing like a child's um, 
you know, dark night journey that can catalyze more uh, evolution yeah, within the parent. Right. <laughs> like I it's, know. And that's, you know, part of, part of the, you know, one of the things that you always say is like, our kids are here, they're our teachers. We're here to, we're, our evolution is being catalyzed by their experiences. Yeah, and just when you, thought you had it all figured out and got really comfortable, then they start mm-hmm. pushing those buttons right. and you're just like, what is going on? Yeah, so. cause I'm like, I'm gonna be the cool parent. I'm gonna be no. hip to everything that's no. going on. We're and not I'm cool. gonna be, and We're it doesn't totally matter cool. what you do, like you will not be cool <laughs> and you will not be tapped into whatever it is that they feel is interesting or important. At, at and least. it should be that way and that's awesome. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they need to differentiate. That's just the way that it is. Um, and it won't be like that forever because I really do think it it does matter all of the other present moments where as parents, we were there and really did care and we're really, you know, did really did our best, mm-hmm. you know? So but I think- But holding it, that neutrality. Yeah, that's- it's 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 not for the weary. I mean, it's intense. We definitely in the pandemic, there, we had some major stuff going on in our living spaces. <laughs> yeah. I was like, as I'm we sure were, most families yeah. did, you know. Well, and also, you know, I just wanted to be sort of transparent also in your and my relationship as well. I mean, mm-hmm. the narrative of the outer world made its way into our relationship and there were patterns that were running and trying to separate us. You know, and this sort of like, um, you know, I don't know. I think it was just in the in the early sort of months or whatever when when you know we were trying to get a handle on what was going on. And I also think that it's sort of a masculine tendency to want to handle things. You know, like let's I'm going to get this handled and I'm going to assess it and I'm going to tell you what's up. You mm-hmm. know. And um, that was really difficult and it was painful. And I think that, you know, speaking this in many, many families were split down the middle. And luckily in our case, we have a good enough foundation that we were, you know, in in a lot of love and we were able to stay neutral until, you know, the landmines had been, you know, disarmed and we could come closer together you mm, know yeah but you know it's it's been a it's been a very very intense moment for for all of us and so again you know i you know on your birthday you and i went um out for a date and uh and we had some really beautiful time together but the main communication of that was I wanted to speak to you. I didn't want to write you a card. I wanted to speak to you and I wanted to tell you how I feel about our life and our relationship and about, you know, what we've experienced together, understanding that, um, you know, if either one of us transitioned at any point and we were no longer here, I didn't want to leave that all of that unsaid. I wanted to make sure that I went deeper into you rather than moving away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was a, it was a, it was needed and deeply appreciated. You know, and I think as a couple, we've been together since 2000, been together like almost 21 years at this point. I can't remember when we got married, but I always just think about when we first got together, 2003. I think, yeah. <laughs> 2003, <laughs> right. July 12th. Right, you were pregnant with Mathis. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. so it was 2003. But two, 2000 is really, we've been together ever mm-hmm. since then. That's a long time to be together, to maintain you know, a level of intimacy, to keep things interesting amidst raising children, building businesses, you know, all the like. 
Most relationships don't make it, people drift apart and we're both here to grow. Um, and we've, we have done that. We've both grown as individuals and as a community. Um, and there are aspects of our respective growth trajectories that have moved us apart. Like when we first started this thing, we were doing a lot of stuff together. We made the cookbooks together. It was all about the food. Um, and not to say that that isn't still fundamental to kind of our mission, um, but we found our respective niches in, in different lanes and have supported each other in pursuing those things. And I think on some level, it's made our relationship a little bit healthier because we have things that we care about and we can support each other in but because we're not as enmeshed or as integrated as we were before, it then requires a lot more attention and work to make sure that our relationship doesn't become transactional and just about logistics and what does the calendar say and who needs to go where and who needs to get picked up. And we've gone through extended phases of that. Like I'm not saying that we're perfect in any regard with that. Like I think that, that our intimacy suffered particularly through the pandemic as a result of survival instincts and just getting through the day and making sure that everyone was where they needed to be. But um, my birthday and the date that we had has really been a powerful reminder to help us return to that special place and remember that everything that we're doing is about our intimate relationship, it all comes from that. That is the crucible upon which, you know, we're able to kind of do what we do in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I had just come back from teaching my sacred sexuality retreat in right. North Carolina, so it's a good pivot to like talking about <laughs> so, sacred sexuality. Yeah, well, I mean, I talked about on the podcast a couple times about the fact that, you know, we've been together all these years and that there has to be an evolution. Like we have to go to the next thing. We're not gonna just be Rich and Julie in the way that we were static and we were never static, but you know, in that version, it has to keep evolving. And I think what, um, the the retreat was amazing. It was a, it was beautiful. We had a beautiful group of people and very profound experiences. And it was it's really a spiritual mission. It's a spiritual activation into the embodiment of all that you are. And then understanding that you can use this sacred force, this spirit, this sexuality, as a creativity or a spiritual force to um, shift things in your life, to create things, to heal the planet, to change the weather, to heal your body, to do all kinds of things. And so um, it, was a, it was a first off um, and it was really cool. Um, it went extremely well. And one of the things um, that uh, became clear to me um, as I wrapped up this amazing experience was that you know, you and I are here for the evolution and, the, and that is the most important thing. And you have been and are, and will always be one of the most profound human experiences probably of all of my lifetimes. What we have done- Top to, five? Uh, easily top five. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> easily top five. Well, um, what we've done together is profound and, it, and it's in spite of us. I mean, you have two individuals who are extremely different, like 
just in our natural orientation. The fact that we got together, you know, that I was, you were coming out of a marriage, I was coming out of a marriage with young kids and that we were able to go through this financial collapse, this extreme pressure. It was not a short amount of time. I mean, nine years is not, it's kind of interesting that it's nine years of the podcast. You, you always say nine years and I, in my mind, my, You're like, was like, it I'm really? like, I don't think it was nine years. Yeah, it was, I think it was. Two, well, 2007, maybe not 2007, was the slide down mm -hmm. and then just beginning to poke ourselves out, the head out of the water was probably 2014. So how yeah, many days? I think that's about that's right. seven. So, so and it was I'm, a slow slide down and, it's a slow, and a slow uh, yeah, and crawl then, out. Exactly, but yeah. there's still wreckage and you know, I mean, right. we're, yeah, exactly. Um, but I guess I wanted, I wanted to have said that to you I wanted you. I wanted to have plainly experience, you know, express that to you, and you know what I told you, and what I asked of you, um, was to support me, and and I gave you my support, unconditional support, for your life experience, whatever that is, regardless if it scares me, regardless if it's not conventional. It's what do you, now what do you need to evolve? What is, what is next? And I think we have to be brave enough. If we're gonna be together for this many years, we have to be brave enough to face what, what scares us, what might change in the relationship, but we don't have to um, let it, um, you know, we don't have to let it die or we don't have to kill it or we don't have to, mm -hmm. you know, we can breathe life into it in new ways. And relationships are changing. I mean, we're on a completely new frontier. And, you know, I will be with you till the end of time for whatever it is that you are up for, even if it scares me. Yeah, I think that's a powerful, um, idea and lesson that disabuses me and anyone who's listening from the idea that a relationship is ever static. You know, whether you, you've been together for six months or a year or five years or 21 years, everything is always changing. Everything is always in flux. And the human mind is very good at certain things and very bad at other things. And what it's good at is pattern recognition. And it looks at a pattern and says, this is the way the world is. And there's an expectation built into that, that that pattern will perpetuate or continue. And if the pattern gets interrupted or broken or meets an obstacle, that becomes a trigger for fear, right? So it's all about preserving the pattern. And in a mm -hmm. relationship, preserving the pattern may work for a certain period of time, but ultimately it sounds the death knell because you're never static. You're either moving towards greater intimacy or away from it, away from that intimacy. And the more you move away from it, the more kind of cloistered and isolated you become from your partner. And then without that sharing piece, like you're going to drift apart, right? So it takes like constant pressure and constant attention to just maintain it, let alone evolve it in a positive direction. And I say that as somebody who's traditionally not been great at the, like, I wanna just like, it's cool. Like we're, it's good. Like you want it, what movie do you wanna see tonight? It's fine, <laughs> you know, like I don't wanna do the work. I don't wanna always be exerting that pressure. You're very good at saying, 
okay, we need to like sit down and like, you know, figure out what's going on with us right now. You know, short mm-hmm. of you calling attention to that, like you just I will allow it to like, you know, pr- sort <laughs> of atrophy. disintegrate. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, and so thank you mm-hmm. for that mm-hmm. because it is uncomfortable and those conversations mm-hmm. are not easy to have. But ultimately, if we're gonna make it and we're gonna stay together, mm-hmm. we have to create that space for each other where we can be honest, even if it's uncomfortable and figure out ways to support our own respective evolutions, particularly now that like we're, we're, we are doing different things. Like you've got this whole entrepreneurial journey with Shrimu and your teachings and all these various projects that you're working on that, that, that don't involve me at all. And it's very easy for you to just be immersed in that. And like, I don't even know what's going on. Meanwhile, I'm over here doing this thing. And, you know, it's, it's individuated on a level that it wasn't historically in our relationship. So it requires much more presence of mind and attention and care to detail in order to maintain the level of intimacy that's gonna keep us together, particularly as our kids grow up and ultimately fly the coop and go out into the world. Yeah, I mean, definitely. And I mean, I think, the, I think as you mature along the journey, it gets, it gets harder because my default is to be in meditation, doing some ritual, like in some, and your def, you know, your choice is to be like running up a mountain or doing a race or something like that. And that's one of the things that we talked about. I'm never going to be running a race with you. Like that's probably a very unlikely, you know, event. And, you know, you're unlikely to be, you know, diving into ritual and ceremony the way that I do. So mm-hmm. how do we um, how do we commune with each other and how do we go deeper into who the other person is? But it takes presence and attention and um, desire and a lot of love and a lot of unconditional um, you know neutrality to to be in that space. Yeah. We joked the other day that uh, so when we <laughs> we go on this date and you're like, I have things I wanna tell you, <laughs> right? And we're sitting there and you're like, first of all, happy birthday. <laughs> and then you're like, and, but there's this big buildup to like what's coming next. And I'm thinking, is she gonna break up with me? She's gonna say happy birthday and then tell me she wants to have a different life now? Like what's going on? <laughs> no, it was, um, it was very emotional. I was very emotional because I hadn't been able to talk to you for a very long time in a very deep way you know, because of all the sort of uh, narrative that is, that was literally, it, it infuses our life and seeks to separate us. It seeks to put a wedge right now. That is, that is the agenda is mm-hmm. to separate us. And so um, we, we have to dig deep to not do that. And in the, at the end, it's like, you know, I know if I left my body, you would not feel that separation from me. And I know that if you left your body, I would not feel that. And so can we get to what's really real? Can we leave all this stuff to the side and can we get to what's really real? And, um, and just uh, be that for each other. I mean, mm. as uh, soulmates or partners or, you know, lovers, uh, um, if we aren't here for each other at that level, then then what is and and who is, and we can make that choice, you know. So you just taught this retreat on sacred sexuality. Mm-hmm. So the first question is like, how important is the sexual piece? And 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 kind of ancillary to that, for somebody who's listening or watching, 
who is in a relationship, perhaps a long-term relationship that does feel stagnant or they feel like they're struggling to have that intimate communication channel with their partner. Like how do you counsel somebody to, mm-hmm. to you know, reconfigure their relationship or take actions that can, you know, get the two people in better sync with each other? Well, I feel that it is entirely a solo journey, in fact. And so I've renamed the word masturbation, one of the ugliest words in the English language. Um, It's not a good word. It's so, yeah, and it's by design, by the way. So calling it like self-communion, okay? And and really taking the little Snickers. (laughs) I knew you would laugh, he's laughing. No, but it's true. It's like, the thing is, it's your body, it's your force, right? And, And if we knew it was the most powerful force, the most sacred force, how would you treat it? If you really understood that, if you really understood. Our society treats it with pornography and violation and abuses against people. And it's it's been vibrating in a very low place for a very long time. Mm. Um, but I also feel like it is a complete emergence of something we've never known before. And so the first thing is to get embodied in your own form. Uh, do you receive yourself as a divine being? Do you understand that you are you know, consciousness? You're a fractal of this great mirror that's walking through life, expressing yourself. And can you receive yourself with that love? Because if you can't, you can't really receive another with that love. So the workshop kind of went like this. Um, first of all, we're doing yoga. Again, I'm just gonna take this opportunity to mention that I have the iFit um, series is coming out. Right. There's four yoga programs that I've done. Um, they were absolutely amazing to me. They treated me with such reverence and freedom and creative support, um, blew my mind. I, I was very touched by this experience. Um, But anyway, I've done four series. And so uh, one is about um, trauma into uh, your treasure. One is about grief into awareness. One is about embodiment for immunity. And one is about living your most heroic life. So I'm gonna say, I'm saying that because again, going back to the foundation, a, a core yoga practice is key to really being able to embody who you are. And it's just not the same as running. It's, not, it's just not the same. It's a, it's a way to access yourself, to gain the awareness of the greater you that is always there, that is observing what's going on in, in your life. And it is profound. That, so I would highly recommend finding a yoga practice um, and exploring through that. Um, Then we went back to what's behind me too. So we just looked at thousands of years on the planet, Um, thousands of years ago, the feminine energy was literally ripped out of the spiritual history of our planet, completely annihilated. And I make the joke that I thought I was a modern woman because I read in Cosmopolitan magazine that I could have any, I could have an orgasm like when I was like 14. And it's a Whenever joke. Whenever you want. It's a joke. I mean, it's like we only, women only got the right to vote like a minute ago. Like this has been the planetary setup, okay? The good news is that setup is over. So now we are in a different age. It's no one's fault. It's not about being mad at the masculine. It's about us recalling uh, ourselves and reimagining how we are in relationship and both masculine and feminine existing within us. So balancing those two energies. Um, 
We then did a holotropic breathing practice, which there's a little taste of this in the iFit series. Mm -hmm. Um, We then uh, walked a spiral that I, it was a technology that I had sent over from Dom and her that was activated with this very powerful energy. So we spiraled in and out of this um, form um, that was created. Um, And then we had a fire ceremony at the, in the evening. And then the next day was about bringing ritual back into our uh, sexual spaces. So it was about processes and drawing energy up into your heart and infusing your body with the sexual energy and, you know, how to make it a beautiful thing and, and how to really take that moment to make sure that it's reverent and that it's beautiful. However, also remembering that the human experience is the whole spectrum. So we're not just gonna have sexuality as an angel in a, right, in a white robe type of thing. Like you, you're, you're allowed to play in the spectrum of between consenting adults or with yourself, whatever that is. I'm not here to tell you what that is, but I'm saying the intention of going into it that this is a sacred force. And so how will I use it? Mm-hmm. How will I treat it? How will I cultivate it? How will I interact with it? And what does it really mean? And when I do share it with another, how will I, who and in what circumstance and in what way will I share that? If I knew that it was so precious and yeah. so amazing. And then the final thing, we um, interact, we did a yoga nidra um, which is taking your awareness around the body. Again, I have little snippets of this all in the IFIT series. And then um, we uh, did a journey into returning to a time when we all used ritual in our sexual experiences. Um, and then we did an open eye meditation on the geometric form of the solar feminine, which is from the template, um, Jeeva and Juliet Carter. Uh, it's a form that you spin with a light and you interact with it viscerally with your body. And the final step was a self-initiation of each person going in the mirror and meeting themselves and and being blessed and just seeing yourself as divine. So it's it's really a spiritual activation of embodiment and this community, um, they, it was very beautiful. They really got a lot out of it. And it's the beginning because we all have to rewrite the way that we're going to interact with this mm-hmm. energy. How many dudes were there? Two. Two dudes. There right? were actually three, like, but one left. One there left. was two. Yeah, um, two beautiful men, brave, powerful men, um, amazing. And, uh, and we, we really gave them a lot of love at the very beginning for having the courage to come and- Yeah, I, I mean, the reason I ask is because these modalities or this sensibility is inherently very feminine, right? So, so I'm just imagining, you know, uh, somebody who's listening to this, like a woman who's listening to this and it says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try this. I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna get my husband or my boyfriend or, you know, whoever it is and sit them down and I'm gonna try to create ceremony and ritual around this. And then imagining the guy being like, what is going on? Like, I'm not in, like, what are you talking about? You know? So there's a barrier there, I think, in a traditional sense mm-hmm. with the kind of normal dude. Um, where even broaching this subject becomes uh, challenging and, and, and trepidatious because it's uncharted territory for the average male. Definitely, but the thing is, is that the average dude is in a state of awakening right now. And so things are really changing. And I had talked to a lot of people in various places where I've traveled. And I had a lot of people share with me that they were experiencing the same thing 
that they were understanding that the sexuality that they had been experiencing was not was not going to work for them anymore. Like they were wanting more mm-hmm. because none of us wants molestation and violation and, you know, just, I mean, as I was saying, like 92% of my clients have been sexually molested as children, both men and women. So it's actually not that rare. Right. So there's this tapestry of trauma that's like yeah. sprinkled, you know, onto oh, the lattice work of all of this for a lot of people. And it's quite common. And then you have, you know, then you have, you know, right now out in the, in the aftermath of Me Too, which thank God, you know, I have Me Too stories that, you know, would, would shock you. Um, so there's no one more happy than I am that that was brought out to light. And then you also have a lot of men and a lot of individuals who are just unclear about how to proceed. And then also like our boys were telling us that, you know, this generation is the least sexual generation in like a hundred years or something like that. So it's, everything's up for transformation. I mean, you got gender fluidity. It's not just heterosexual couples, mm-hmm. it's for everyone. And the point, the point for me is, you know, I've been in a lot of relationships and I've been, I've been in love quite a few times. You're my favorite, Ugh. but I've- <laughs> I'm crestfallen Crest. to so, hear that. Top five, I, I'm top gonna five judge money. you based on your past relationships. Top five, honey. Top, yeah, so, top five. No, but top three? Top, top, well, you said top, top five. five all time, know, like throughout all like, time. I'm going lines. for top three. You're so competitive. <laughs> That's the thing. You just, you want to be number one. No, of course. But my point of me sharing this is that I realized after about the fourth time, you know, I think when we're young in love, we think that the person we're in love with is exuding the love to us. And that is what we're feeling. But in my experience, the love is coming from you. So you own your love. You're just reflecting it off of another individual because you'll find when you're in love again that you're like, oh, there's that love. It feels exactly the same way. And so again, it's this cultivation of embodiment of understanding first that you are divine and, and just worthy and, and cherished and loved and celebrated for who you are. And mm-hmm. then that your sexual energy is yours and nothing and no one has the right to interfere with that. And it is also your greatest power. And if you knew that, how would you use it? How would you choose? It's your choice. I'm not telling you how to use it. Yeah, I think it's it's instructive to think about it as an exchange of energy mm-hmm. and a powerful one at that, right? So you are in relationship with another human being and there's gonna be this exchange of energy. Like, how do you want that directed? Mm-hmm because however you choose to direct it is going to have impact and power no matter what. So putting some intentionality and consideration into that, I think is a powerful exercise. Definitely. Yeah. So well, welcome to the sacred sexuality chamber. <laughs> I know, and I'm excited for this iFit course to come out. We should say for people that don't know, iFit is like this um, digital platform subscription service for all manner of health, wellness, fitness programming. It's sort of like Peloton. You get the, they have like a treadmill and a bike and mm-hmm. stuff like that, that have these big screens. And when you subscribe, you're able to access like this library of stuff um, and what's amazing about this company 
is the level of intentionality and production quality that they're bringing to this program. I mean, when they came to our house to film this series with you, I mean, it was like we were filming a feature film. <laughs> I mean, the crew, how many people were in this crew? Was, I mean, there were m multiple cameras and a crew of like 40 people and like a whole wardrobe. I mean, it was unbelievable. And then you went to Italy and filmed there as well. Like there were multiple locations, international. Mm -hmm. They spared zero expense. And I can't wait to see the finished product because so much went into it and it's finally coming out. Yeah, it was a beautiful experience. I mean, they really, really, I, I just have to really emphasize how amazingly, conscious they were and loving and creatively supportive. And, you know, I had like five cameras and, um, and uh, you know, when I began the series, they gave me a dozen roses. When I ended, they had a dozen roses and I was in every shot. So I shot four series back to back, which is quite physically challenging. How many days? It was five days shoot. So there was, uh, there were five days and five I did days four at our series. house. Yeah, five days at our house. And then we went to Dominher and we filmed inside the temples. So I had a cinematographer, actually two, who came and were with me. And we filmed all in the temples of Dominher and it'll be intercut with the pieces. And mm -hmm. they have these mirrors where your instructor ends up in the mirror. Um, and the thing that I, why I wanted to do it and why it was such a, so important to me was to be able to document these yoga practices that I teach on retreat. And I know that they're transformational. They've been transformational for me. Um, just one of these series could shift your life like, you know, drastically. And they honored me. They said, do it exactly the way you wanna do it. They weren't trying to edit me at all. Right, and you're like, and, are you sure? I'm like, are you sure? Because <laughs> I have, you know, the spaceship coming. No, I, I did, yeah, I really yeah. did it. I mean, it's really what I what I teach on retreat at Plant Power Italia for all of you who, who wouldn't have the opportunity to go there or just that just wouldn't work for you. Check out the iFit series because it really is a full encompassing um, experience where mm -hmm. you'll get a taste of like some Qigong, some Yoga Nidra, some holotropic breathing, definitely some um, activations and, and prayers and meditation like I do on my spiritual mentorship platform, Water Tiger, and then just really great asana. So um, again, they have the titles, which is what they're sort of designed around. And you know, one of the things that many of us are facing are the exit and transitions of our loved ones. And if we haven't been open to spirituality, often it is that kind of loss that if we're lucky may render us on our knees and allow us to seek what is beyond this life. Mm. And I spoke to a very dear friend of mine and a, an interior design client and dear friend of my mom, of my mom's, my beautiful Rosie. Um, and um, her daughter died suddenly uh, recently and she's just devastated. Like the grief is just crushing her. And, you know, this is a very real thing that we are going through right now. And I will tell you the yoga practice will give you shelter through that. It will, it will help you and guide you through your own process. Um, and, you know, as I said at the very first podcast at the be beginning of the pandemic, you know, what we can do in this very tender moment of many exiting is not waste their exit. So if they're providing you that experience of tenderness and of being, really split open to your core, um, 
we can choose to dedicate that to the expansion and and use the gift that they've given you mm-hmm. to to really really evolve and expand and you will see them again you will if it's if it's your desire you will see them again we are eternal life forms yeah. so there there is just a change of form um, and we we need to cultivate this connection to this truth when you were sharing that i was thinking about those extraordinary photographs that um, our friend Magdalena was sharing on Instagram of mm. her mother passing Yes, recently. Yeah, so Magdalena is the photographer that shot Rich and I for Human Shift and she's um, from Poland and she had a relationship, has a relationship with her mother that is just one of soulmate, like such a close, amazing, um, relationship and also with her father, but being this extraordinary photographer, she documented her mom's illness um, all the way up until um, her transition. And the photographs are powerful. Um, There's one photograph of Magdalena actually in the bathtub washing her mother. And it's this connection between child and mother and the lens of of death and really becoming old and how Magdalena was able to just celebrate and embody and love her mom um, through all the phases. It it is truly a beautiful, beautiful love story that she has documented. Yeah, Uh, Magdalena Wozinska is her last name. She's an unbelievable photographer. She's super cool. You can find her on Instagram at Magda Wozinska Studio. Her photographs are amazing. Brilliant, amazing human. Yeah. All right, well, let's switch gears a little bit. I do wanna talk about the latest happenings with Shrimu, but Mm -hmm. before we do that, we both have a couple books that we wanted to share. You brought three books there. You go first. Yeah, well, I'll I'll share, I'll go first. People always ask me like, what are you reading? What should I read? Uh, To be a podcaster is to perpetually have homework and I'm always reading books for upcoming guests. So the vast majority of my reading, um, I had this impulse to say, unfortunately, not unfortunately, I have the good fortune of reading many books for authors that um, I'm hosting on the show, which is fantastic. It just doesn't leave a lot of room for (laughs) reading other books, but I do wanna share a couple because uh, they have impacted me. And also because part of the thing with the podcast is always trying to kind of get ahead and bank episodes. A lot of guests make themselves available for publicity because they have a book coming out and they do that in the two or three weeks leading up to the book coming out. But as we bank episodes, it means that oftentimes um, these episodes don't come out until quite a bit later. And so I wanted to share a little bit of love with some of these books because they've recently come out and perhaps it would be good if you read them before the guest appears on the show. The first of which being The Book of Hope, which was written by my friend, Douglas Abrams, who was a classmate of mine at Stanford. And he wrote it um, in partnership with Jane Goodall. It's an unbelievable read. And the second in this global icon series that he's doing where he, shares space with amazing people and engages them in long form conversation and ends up creating a book out of it. The first of which being the book of joy, which was the result of conversations that he had with um, 
Bishop Desmond Tutu and the Dalai Lama. And that became this massive bestseller. And he's made this documentary about it. That's hopefully coming out soon. The second being this book of hope, which is about Jane Goodall's life through the lens of hope and her um, fidelity to this idea of hope being an engine for positive change as somebody who has lived as an activist and an advocate for change her entire life. And it's really powerful. We had a beautiful conversation, Doug and I, the other day on the show, but the episode's not coming out for a little while. So I think it would be great if everybody picked up that book and read it before Doug appears on the show. So that's my first recommendation. Um, The second is The Proof is in the Plants by my buddy, Simon Hill. (laughs) Simon Simon is the host of the Plant Proof podcast. Um, I'm sure many of our listeners also enjoy his show. He has, I think the best plant-based focused podcast in the space. He lives in uh, Bondi Beach in Sydney, Australia. So when I was in Australia a couple of years ago, I spent a lot of time with him. He also has a restaurant called Eden. So good. In Bondi, which is like the, I mean, it's the best plant-based restaurant in Sydney, arguably one of the best plant-based restaurants in the world, uh, at least that I've had the good fortune of eating at. He's also just a beautiful, very heart-centered guy who is steeped in the nutrition science and has a very, um, very kind of compelling, but gentle way of talking about nutrition um, that I think is really helpful to a lot of people. And he put it all in this book, The Proof is in the Plants, which is a very plant-centric, plant-forward take on why we should be eating more Mm -hmm. plants in our diet without getting into jingoistic um, kind of labeling about what you call your diet or don't call your diet. So for anybody who's interested in that kind of nutrition deep dive, definitely pick up the book. It's been out in Australia for a while, but it just uh, arrived on um, on our shores more recently. So that's my second one. Um, the third one is Forward by Andrew Yang. Uh, Andrew being of course, the guy who ran for president in the 2020 election and more recently had a mayoral bid in New York City. He came on the podcast last week. And I think that episode's going up in two or three weeks or something like that. We had a really fun conversation. I think he's a really original thinker when it comes to politics and kind of shaking up the status quo with interesting creative ideas about how we could uproot some of our systems that aren't working. And I really enjoyed that conversation. I think his book is really fun, regardless of what your political affiliations are. It's really not about partisanship, it's really about ideas. And I just found him to be really engaging and fresh. So that might be another one to pick up. Awesome, love those. What do you got? What do I got? Something quite different. Um, I wanted to uh, give a shout out to Anita Kopatz for her debut book called Shallow Waters. Um, Anita um, and her husband, Sheldon and children, Sadie, Tila and Mayan were part of our homeschool um, experiment back in the day. And they are just magical and full of light. And Anita is an amazing, priestess and healer and shaman. And she was raised, uh, her mom uh, was connected to the uh, mystical arts of life. And uh, Anita is a, is a light to the world. And she has just written this book about the African mysticism um, and connection to spirituality. 
Um, Michael Beckwith says, shallow waters, shallow waters personifies the diasporic journey of African spirituality. This story is a powerful call for people to return to their roots. And um, the little intro, it says, in this stirring and lyrical debut novel, the Yoruba deity of the sea, Yamaya, is brought to vivid life as she discovers the power of black resilience, love and feminine strength in antebellum America. Um, so I'm really uh, just so happy for Anita and, and love her so much. And this is a family that was, is very, very dear to us and, and very um, much a part of our journey through raising the kids. Then I have um, Lauren uh, Duke's debut memoir, which is called Shit House. Uh -huh. And I met Lauren. It's the um, best title. It's such a great title. I met Lauren actually um, at this Living Tea retreat that I chefed for in Telluride. And we ended up uh, traveling back together to LA, just met and we had a very long time to talk because um, we, we flew and then we drove together in the car. And um, Lauren has just an amazing experience of, of being raised in a, in a very, um, I would say colorful, eccentric upbringing um, that is full of sort of, um, uh, shenanigans and and her dad being in prison. And um, she told me a story where she actually stole cars with him when she was 15 years old. Um, <laughs> Lauren is unapologetically uh, vibrant and has um, just gone on a journey through yoga. So she's the founder of Gather in Encinitas and she's an amazing Anusara yoga teacher uh, and just a, a really real individual. And we, like I said, we had a long time together. And when she was describing the book to me, it reminded me of the memoir, um, Glass Castles. Mm -hmm. And I love that memoir. And I think I mentioned it before because uh, like Rich and I were kind of similar to the characters, like if it had just been dial clicked, like a little more to the extreme, um, but they ended up making a movie of that book. And, and I, I have really high hopes for Shed House. I think it's uh, an amazing, um, lively story of, of, you know, this extreme experience of life and the constriction and, and someone who really journeyed her way into an evolution. And it's also sort of part self-help. So it, it's prescriptive where Glass Castles was just more of a drama. Um, so anyway, I'm excited for, for Lauren for that. Mm -hmm. And then I got to meet Joanne in real life. And uh, Joanne she, Molinaro. Yeah, she actually brought her book, The Korean Vegan. Um, she is just um, such a dear human being, so much love and um, and creativity. The, the photographs in this book are just exquisite. And I mean, just look at the cover image. Like yeah. I just can't wait to dive into sort of learning um, how to create some of these Korean sauces and lemon and uh, marinades and, and different processes. So anyway, it's a beautiful, beautiful book. And uh, Joanne and I are gonna do some fun stuff together. Yeah. Um, but she's just, she's a doll. She's incredible. Uh, the book debuted at number three on the New Only York Times bestseller list. Only number three on the New York in Times. The how to like sort of self-help category, like behind Atomic Habits. And then some book about dogs that was number one. <laughs> I don't so get good. that, but I guess people love dogs. Yeah. Um, but congratulations to, to yeah. Joanne for Joanne, that. It congrats. really is a beautiful creation. And what's cool is that she is just at the beginning of this amazing journey. I mean, she only started her TikTok 
the beginning of the pandemic. That's so crazy. she's in the starting gate of what is certain to be a brilliant career. And I can't wait to see what she uh, has in the works and what she's going to be creating. I mean, she only just walked away from her law firm job um, like a couple of weeks ago. It's very exciting. So now she has the bandwidth and the ability and the resources and the support and the time to create to her highest potential. And I have no doubt that we're gonna be seeing a lot of her. Definitely. And I need to give her a shout out of just being my inspiration. Um, she showed me, you know, how I could present some of my, uh, my, just my awareness and the things that I care about spiritually combined with my food. So I've just done like a first series of little videos um, inspired by the unbelievable mm, Korean vegan. Genre busting yeah. way of story, melding storytelling Very cool. With food. So thank you, Joanne, you're beautiful. All right, well, speaking of food, what's going on with Shreema? We have this beautiful presentation in front of us. Yeah, so um, it's the holidays, uh, you guys. vegan cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so the main thing is just wanted to announce that we now have um, four products. So we have our sacred ultra box, which is four age wheels of cheese that come in this amazing box. And then we also have have um, smoked almond cheddar, which is called bonfire. It's at the end of the board. It's that ball. It's not your grandma's cheese ball. And then we have fresh mozzarella that ships in salted water that comes in the jar. So this is an amazing, you know, your amazing uh, gift pack. Um, we are doing one-time boxes for any of our offerings for the holidays. Um, and we're doing a code on every single offering for Ritual Podcast um, listeners. So it's um, just RRP22 and we're giving you 22% off on any product. Um, can I do that on your show? Yeah, I think oh, okay. so. You go to shrimu.com, S-R-I-M-U.com. Yeah. And then there's a coupon code, RRP22. 22. Yeah. So and then you get 22% exactly. off. Exactly. I like the one box thing. I mean, that's something I'm sure you guys hear a lot of like, why do I have to subscribe? Can I just get a box? Yeah, yeah. No, you can do one-time boxes. Um, the other thing that we have is um, uh, the two wheel is in that thin little amazing box there. That's the perfect clutch size. Um, and you have two variations on that. So you can customize that box a little. Um, and then in the in the third box over there by Rich, it's both a three wheel and a four wheel. So those are all age wheels. And remembering that you can freeze the wheels beautifully. Um, you just have to take them out about an hour before you serve them. Um, so if you're traveling and you wanna keep your Shrimu, um, you know, in perfection, you can freeze. Um, but anyway, um, yeah. So uh, the other thing that I need to mention is for Thanksgiving. So we ship on November 15th because we're a perishable product. So we can't ship at the end. We have to make sure that it makes it to you. So you have to get your orders in by November 15th for a Thanksgiving um, holiday spread. And then for a Christmas and, and Hanukkah spread, you have to get your order in by, I think it's the 14th is the last ship date. Of December. Of December, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And will that code survive through it will survive. the holidays? We will look for you and we and will make it does that apply for subscriptions also or just yeah. the one box? Um, no, it, it, it applies for everything. I mean, and you can subscribe and also get 22% off as right. well. Yeah. And so how many different 
cheese products or flavors? Well, do you we're have looking now? at there on the board. We have um, the Gold Alchemy, which is the turmeric pepper infused wheel that tastes like a ham cheese and mustard, a mustard sandwich. It is crazy when you eat that. <laughs> like when you, when I first had it, I was like, "What does this taste like?" I know this taste, and I couldn't place it. And who mm-hmm. was it who figured that out? Becca. Yeah, she and then like, you're like, once you hear, "Oh, it's like a ham and cheese sandwich with mustard," you're like, you can't unremember that. And when you eat it, you're like, it's crazy how much it tastes like a ham and cheese sandwich. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it's becoming in our tastings and events, it's becoming really one of the top flavors actually. Mm-hmm. Um, then right right alongside of that, we have Spire, which is our spirulina infused, very lively. There's a lot of taste in this and it's um, kind of blue inspired, um, but better than blue. Blue cheese inspired. And then we have a birdie, which is our, our camembert inspired. It's truffle infused, very French, um, very, very, authentic tasting. And then the creamy wheel underneath the spire is called Elder. And this is a really mild uh, wheel. And one of the things that I also wanna mention is we have quite an extensive recipe array on the Shrimu website. Also, it's gonna be um, recipes that we're sharing you know, throughout these videos over the holidays. But the wonderful thing about Shrimu is that it cuts your prep time down You know, for an event or for Thanksgiving or for any holiday meal. It makes, the cooking so easy because you're taking your dish to a five-star level by simply adding the cheese in at the end because it's already it's already aged and already cured and already has this developed taste. Um, so elder is really great to use in cheesecakes, even in hot chocolate, in risotto. In, in hot tofu. chocolate? Yeah, can you imagine? I've never tried that. Well, it's cashew based. So if you're making a natural hot chocolate that's not with a milk, you might use some cashews. So you can use elder with a cacao and with vanilla and some kind of sweetener. And um, and it's quite full bodied and, and beautiful. Um, and then the other um, flavor that is really just neck and neck with the gold alchemy is the dolce. And that has coconut um, in it. It's creamier and just has this pure flavor. Um, and a lot of people really, really love that. So, um, but in the box, this is the only box that you can get the fresh mozzarella, which is really one of Shrimu's most profound creations. The larger box for people yeah, that are just and, listening. Yeah, you know, if you, it really encourage you to try it because it's really next level. It the is, mozzarella. Yeah, it's next level. Yeah, so it's it comes level. suspended in a, in like a solution, In right? water, in crystal water. salted waters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and there it, are these balls, they're beautiful. And they're great. Like they're a perfect caprese salad, just fall down on the floor. Like it's better than mozzarella. Mm-hmm. I'll just say it's better than mozzarella. Yeah. I mean, a couple things just from my, I mean, we eat tons of this stuff at home, mm-hmm. obviously. Like mm-hmm. we have a whole wine cooler next mm-hmm. to our refrigerator. Stuff, that's like six feet with- tall that normally you would put wine in and it just has cheese wheels in it. So <laughs> there's constant, experimentation and how to use this. And the first thing I would say is that on that prep time thing, like you see these wheels and you immediately think like crackers and wine or something like that. And certainly it has that purpose, but it can also, although it's not a sauce, it can be used almost as a sauce. Like you kind of weave it into pasta to make like a fettuccine or something like that. Like it does have a melting point to it where it becomes like a creamy sauce Mm -hmm. when heated. And it just adds that like zing to anything that is unbelievable. Um, And the second thing is for people that haven't tried it yet, but have some experience with like vegan cheese or like plant-based cheese, 
I don't know about you, but like almost all, if not, maybe not all, but like the vast majority of what's available to the public in this space is pretty fucking bland. And it all kind of tastes the same, even though there's like, oh, there, here's here's like Havarti and here's the, they, they all kind of taste the same. Mm-hmm. This is not that, like you really have outdone yourself. This is like art as food in so many ways. And the flavors are like unbelievable. And it's always so fun when we have people over and you share it with them for the first time, like they just, their heads explode. They cannot believe that there's no dairy in this cheese. It's very fun. Especially it's, Europeans who have a lot of experience oh, with yeah. like fine cheeses yes. who go in and they're kind of like, okay, Julie's gonna make me taste this thing. Yes. I'm gonna have to be nice. Yeah. And I don't really wanna say anything, you know, like yeah. that whole experience yes. and then, turning the table on them is always super fun. It's It's been really a joy. I used it all in my temple food that I, I created food for 36 people for six nights in a row. And I made everything in prayer, everything in a, as a prayer. And the, you know, Shrimu was in every dish and it just elevated it, just like took it over the edge completely. Right. And the other thing that I wanna mention is that we are launching wholesale. So we um, actually have a new line. Yeah, I tried a couple um, of the new flavors the other night. What'd you think? Are we allowed to talk about that? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. The peppercorn one? It, um, it is called uh, Fire. It's a pepper jack Pepper inspired. jack, that's what I meant. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. It has a real nice spicy flavor yeah. to it. I yes. really enjoyed that one. And then- But uh, I didn't try the blue one because it got gobbled oh, up. Oh, everybody was freaking to, and out Everybody seemed to blue. love that one and I didn't even get to try it. Yeah, actually, yeah. It's a- it's, What is that one? It's called Imagine. And I it's mean, a, it's literally royal blue. Uh, yeah, it's very blue. It's beautiful. So what is in that? It's um, butterfly pea powder. Butterfly so, pea, pea powder. powder. And the pea powder is what gives it its That's just the color, yeah. Mm-hmm. What's the taste like? No taste. It's actually very pure. But what does very, the cheese taste like? Yeah, very pure and sort of mild, but mm. it's just the color, people love it. Do we have any of that at home? We don't have any, and you guys can't get that in the subscription. Right. So this is a future thing, just talking about they're, the future. These are in development. They're, yeah. they're, you know, we're, we're moving into wholesale. How and then many we, new recipes are currently in development that are not ready for prime time? Well, we're just doing three into wholesale. So we're doing everything, which is like an everything bagel, blend, we're doing the pepper jack and we're doing this Imagine. So we're launching with those three. We mm-hmm. have 50 in the wings waiting. So right. I've got, you know, they just have to keep a leash on right. me because we because we can't we can't go forward. But um, uh, the other thing is, so we're expanding at wholesale. And the other thing that I do need to mention, which I always am um, very free and, um, and open with sharing, you know, what I'm doing in the next expansion. So, uh, I am now doing a 3.3 million raise with Shrimu. It is a spiritual mission. I am calling for humanitarians who wanna be part of this mission of global awakening. We are um, serving the big why to help fund the expansion of the temples in Domenher, Italy. It is an operation in devotion to all life on the planet. And it is uh, something magnificent. It's going to be an $88 million complex that houses the indigenous DNA of the planet. Um, so I'm saying that because I just brought on a board member, founder member, um, Tom Lawrence, who is a podcast listener who mm. heard me mention this on the last podcast. And we've connected and become dear friends and um, he's invested in Shrimu and come on the team. And so we are in the middle of that raise and um, just wanted to 
um, shout that out in case anybody feels that this is your calling and that it is something that you would like to be a part of. Um, I'm calling um, my cosmic family to me to join me in this uh, next level experience of really creating a hundred million dollar company that will transform into a unicorn uh, in Shrimu and will be used really for the upliftment of the planet in all ways. It's a beautiful, powerful mission you're on. <laughs> the vision is large, the intention even larger. So I love it. It's been really cool to watch you create this thing out of whole cloth and um, instructive and powerful for me, for you to hold that um, hold that vision and execute on it. It's been really cool. And you've built this incredible team. So it is full speed ahead Thank for Shreemu. Um, so for people that wanna check out Shreemu, again, srimu.com and then code RRP22, yeah? Yes. And if you're digging on Julie, you wanna learn more about her, you can check out her Water Tiger Spiritual Community. You can check out her podcast. When was the last time you recorded it's not a podcast? Really. Very, podcast is your podcast is like, great, but you're like, you're not consistent no, with the uploads. I'm, I'm actually less than consistent <laughs> right now. And the thing is, yeah. is too, is that I just, I also can't, I really can't have guests on. Like, it's just not my thing. Like, this is your thing. Yeah, but that's not what your podcast but, is. Your podcast yeah. is you doing mm. your thing your way. Yeah. So, I mean, right now I, I, I have a little bit of an inkling and a vision if I can, if I can craft these cooking videos and I can merge the message with the cooking videos, um, I'm gonna focus in, in that direction yeah. because Shrimu is the big mission, right? And the other thing that I'm doing is I started uh, writing music. So um, I worked with a producer um, in September and I have three mm -hmm. new tracks for a future music pro project. So. Um, I don't really think, I think it's Instagram, Water Tiger, Shreemu. TikTok. And TikTok, I yeah. am, I, Joanne's gonna Joanne, mentor me. Yeah, she should. Yes. And just, she, you should just spend a day with her while she's creating her stuff yes. and observe how she's doing it. Yes. Cause I think you have a lot to say yeah. and there's a way for you to blend like yeah. the wisdom that you wanna share with the food in a really beautiful yeah. way. I sent you a Dropbox mm -hmm. folder of my videos. I had Leia oh, sent it to cool. you, so check it out. I'll check them out. Yeah, um, so yeah, so not really the podcast right now, sorry guys. And and that's one of but the- But there's sort an of, archive there that yeah, huge people archive, that are yeah, new. How many true. episodes do you have sitting there? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> hundreds, right. in hundreds. In any event, you can find everything Julie Pyatt at juliepyatt.com. That's true. And right? be best to follow me on Instagram, Srimati, S-R-I-M-A-T-I. All right, I think we did it. Thanks, my love. How do you feel? I feel good. Yeah. How do you feel? I feel good. Yeah. I feel like we had a good flow. Awesome. Do you think this worked? I think so, I hope All so. Right. I am not one to judge. <laughs> I'm, I'm not in the business. Are of, you in neutrality right now? I'm in, yeah, I'm in. I'm in encouraged neutrality. Do you see me in my divine essence? I see all of you. You're sure. But do you see <laughs> me in my divine essence? I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> I'm working on that. Okay. Give uh, me time. Patience. I'm here. I'm all here. Right. All right. Peace. I love you. Plants. Namaste. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. I truly hope you enjoyed the conversation. To learn more about today's guest, 
including links and resources related to everything discussed today, visit the episode page at richroll.com, where you can find the entire podcast archive, as well as podcast merch, my books, Finding Ultra, Voicing Change in the Plant Power Way, as well as the Plant Power Meal Planner at meals.richroll.com. If you'd like to support the podcast, the easiest and most impactful thing you can do is to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and on YouTube, and leave a review and or comment. Supporting the sponsors who support the show is also important and appreciated. And sharing the show or your favorite episode with friends or on social media is, of course, awesome and very helpful. And finally, for podcast updates, special offers on books, the meal planner, and other subjects, please subscribe to our newsletter, which you can find on the footer of any page at richroll.com. Today's show was produced and engineered by Jason Camiolo with additional audio engineering by Cale Curtis. The video edition of the podcast was created by Blake Curtis with assistance by our creative director, Dan Drake. Portraits by Davey Greenberg, graphic and social media assets courtesy of Daniel Solis, Dan Drake, and AJ Akpodiete. Thank you, Georgia Whaley, for copywriting and website management. And of course, our theme music was created by Tyler Pyatt, Trapper Pyatt, and Harry Mathis. Appreciate the love, love the support. See you back here soon. Peace. Plants. Namaste. Namaste.